Hi, I'm Peter Schwing, and welcome to the Stories from the Run podcast and community. This is the show for the everyday runner, all about inspiring and sometimes humorous stories from your fellow runners. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to thank all our supporters for making this podcast possible. If you like what you hear, please slam that subscribe button or sign up on our website, storiesfromtherun.com. You can also join the Facebook community or follow us on Instagram through the links in the show notes. So have you ever felt like the weight of the world is on your shoulders? Do you have doubts about your running ability? Well, in today's episode, we have Caitlin DiBello, and she is going to tell you how she overcame her demons to prove that no matter where you come from, with hard work and love, you can achieve anything. We're going to call this one hashtag confidence, hashtag crushing goals. Let's get to it. State your name and any club affiliation for the record, please. My name is Caitlin DiBello, and I'm affiliated with North Brooklyn Runners. Hey, Caitlin. How are you? I'm good. How are good, you? Good, good. How was your week? Um, It was good. It's been a little crazy, but it's been a good week so far. <laughs> a little crazy. Well, it's the end of the season. So where do you work, if you don't mind saying? I'm a fifth grade teacher at Brooklyn Scholars Charter School. Oh, that's fantastic. So, so they must keep you busy and running around, literally. Yeah, we're constantly running around, especially... <laughs> Right before Christmas break. <laughs> exactly. So when is the last day of classes? Uh, my last day is Friday. Oh, okay. And then when do you have to go back? We have to return January 2nd. Okay. So not in like two and a half weeks off. So is there anything upcoming that you're training for? Yeah, I'm going to kick off um, my training this weekend for Boston Marathon. Boston. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, where did you qualify for Boston? I qualified for Boston last year in New York and then re-qualified again this year in New York. Nice. So this is going to be a, a real interesting story about that journey from uh, when you started running and, you know, finding, you know, self-confidence and looking at, you know, what is the right distance for you and being able to take on marathons and Boston qualifying. So before we get into that, how about some like a little background on you? Some like non-running stuff, like other hobbies? Or, you know, what were you like in high school? Were you athletic in high school or uh, what did you do? Yeah. So um, for non-running, besides teaching, I also work part-time at Brooklyn Running Company on the weekends. And I'm also fluent in sign language. Um, and then in... Sign yeah. language? I did not know that. That This is really interesting. What uh, made you pick that up? Um, I took it in college. My mom's an occupational therapist, so she had taught me the alphabet. And mm -hmm. then I took a bunch of courses when I was in college and just fell in love with the language. So I've always kind of been interested in it. And I'm hoping eventually to go back to school and get another degree as an interpreter for sign language. Oh, that that is wonderful. So I got to ask when you're signing, do you think in a different mindset than when you're normally speaking? Like, isn't it like trying to minimize the extra words? Like for me, I'm very verbose and I say a lot of <laughs> words instead of trying to narrow it down and be concise. So is it a different thought process? Yeah, it's a completely different um, thought process. I was lucky enough to have all of my professors in college be deaf. So I got very used to speaking with them, but you really kind of have to focus a lot on the person's lips and how they're moving or how their hands are moving. And in a sense, mm -hmm. block out any other distractions. Cause if you miss one thing, you could miss several words in a row. 
Oh, wow. That is amazing because what it takes to learn sign language, it's amazed me how language is utilized in, in different countries and different dialects and then just being able to converse in sign. It's always been fascinating to me. So I, I would love to talk to you more about this next time I see yeah, you. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> so let's bring it back to high school. Were you on cross-country track? Yeah, I um, ran both cross-country and track when I was in high school. Um, and while I was also in high school, I played soccer up until about my sophomore year, just recreational. But I was on the varsity cross-country and track team from eighth grade until about my senior year. Oh, wow. <laughs> After that, when like in college, did you stay running or did you take a break? I know I know so many people that were on cross country or track and then they get to college and then it's like 10 years go by and then they get back into running. Were you one of those? Um, no, I actually ran in college um, again on the cross country and track team. I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to end up getting a scholarship to run. So I ran all through college as well. What was your favorite event? Um, funnily, funny enough, when I was in high school, it was the 800 and steeplechase. And then when I went to college, my coach convinced me to try longer distances. He thought I'd be better in it. So it ended up changing from the 800 and steeplechase to the 5K and the 10K. That's a, big, a jump, big jump, literally. So what were your first feelings when you started to do those distances? Um, my first feelings were a little bit of a mix. I've always been one of those people, especially in running, to be really open and eager to try anything new. For example, when I used to steeplechase, I basically taught myself how to steeple. So when my coach convinced me to try the 10K, I was open for it. And then when you're 25, when you have 25 laps to go in your head, you start to go a little bit insane and try and <laughs> get like a mantra or some song in your head and just really kind of get into a rhythm. But I, after my first time running both the 5K indoors and the 10K outdoors, I just fell in love with being distance. And in a sense, mm -hmm. kind of my old high school coach had told me he thought I would be better in distance. So after the first time, I was like, oh, he was right. Like, this is more of my... <laughs> What was your go-to song? Oh, there was always a bunch of different ones. Um, usually, I had, I somehow always had a different one for every single season. Um, I know for track, a lot of the times it would fluctuate between "Don't Stop Believing" and any mm -hmm. of the um, songs by the band Queen. So it was always kind of going back and forth between those two, but it was always at least something new. Oh, that's great. The song I use is Billy Idol, Dancing With Myself. The reason for that is it's about 178 BPMs or in runner's talk, that'd be strides per minute. Basically, if I ever felt like I was slowing down, I start putting that in my head and I start running my pace to that song. Yeah, my newest one, um, my... One of my closest friends who also happens to be my coach introduced me to the song Joker and the Thief about a year ago. And so anytime I have a really hard track workout or like even in the middle of training, that song will come on as part of my playlist. And it's got the same thing, like a great beat. And I find myself getting in that rhythm and like picking up the pace, especially if I'm feeling sluggish. It's mm -hmm. just one of those songs that's like, all right, we can do this. Yeah, exactly. And going with the mantra, one of our other guests was talking about a mantra and everything. And like, you know, it seems, especially when you get into these distances, you need to get that mindset because a lot of times mm -hmm. when we get to the race, like, yeah, the training's there, the training's in place. Now when the race becomes that mental game and really trying to push yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So you moved your way up from 5k 
to 10K and now you're marathon distance. Where did that transition come in and how, how long was that transition over time? Um, I always think I knew I wanted to do a marathon. I had been doing half marathons probably since I was about 16 and I had fallen in love with that distance. And then I remember watching the Olympics in like 2004 when Dina Castor took bronze mm-hmm. for the women's marathon and kind of in my head always being like, Hey, that'd be a lot of fun to attempt one day. And once I graduated college, I started getting like longer distances and working on my own. So then I ran my first marathon in 2016. And that was quite an experience of doing all the training on my own and really getting used to long distance. But once I crossed that finish line, I kind of knew that I found my distance in a sense. So finding the distance and a lot of people go through this, finding that right distance where they excel at marathons or they excel at half marathons or 10 milers. And maybe like a 5k is not their race for whatever reason. It's, it's (laughs) unique to your own confidence level too. So I want to talk about what would you consider was your worst race? Um, I think I've had a ton of bad races, but I think my worst race was probably the Staten Island half marathon in 2017. Was that the rainy year? Yes, it was. Oh, that was a lot of people's worst race that, uh, for (laughs) any, I think many of us are still suffering from PTSD from that. There was a hurricane that was just downgraded the night before. I think it was like hurricane Matthew. (laughs) And so basically we ran through a hurricane, a tropical storm and water tables were being blown over. It was so windy and rainy. So that, that's setting the scene of the weather. So tell us why, and, and probably inclusive of why that you consider that your worst race? Um, yeah, there were a few things that made my worst race. Definitely the weather did not help at all, but that would have been right after I had moved down to Brooklyn. And I remember I had joined North Brooklyn Runners probably July of 2017. So I didn't really know anybody still. And I woke up that morning not feeling great, but I thought it was just nerves and that would go away at the start line. About three miles in, I knew I should not be running and that I was actually really sick. Um, so there was a lot of stopping and walking involved in the race. And I think I finished like 10 minutes slower than I normally do and had about like 20 missed phone calls from my parents. Didn't really know how I was getting home. So there was a ton of emotional (laughs) roller coaster. (laughs) You you didn't have the logistics in place. I mean, 10 minutes, 10 minutes slower doesn't sound that bad though. (laughs) I know. Have you had any other races that were just terrible uh, weather conditions? Oh, yeah. Mm. I've had so many. I remember my first time that I ever ran in Van Cortlandt Park. It was in high school. It was a cross-country invitational, and it just downpoured the entire time. Like, there was a puddle probably across the entire field of Van Cortlandt just pouring. I've run in a foot of snow before. I've had so many bad weather (laughs) races. When you've been racing, you know, since high school, you're you're bound to come across some bad ones. So let's let's talk about some good ones then. Let's bring up the happy good times. What would you consider that was your uh, best race? Oh, I actually have had two that I considered my best race. Um, mm-hmm. The first one was the New York Marathon in 2018. Um, all I had wanted to do was qualify for Boston. That was my only goal was to try and qualify for Boston, and I ended up blowing that goal out of the water and just missing breaking three hours, which was something I never even thought wow. possible. Mm. And 
yeah, crossing that finish line being like, okay, you did a lot better than you thought. Yeah, you that's you. amazing. Yeah, and then my second one actually happened this past weekend. I ran Jingle Bell Jog, mm -hmm. um, and I ended up finishing third. Oh, congratulations! Yeah. yeah, I yeah. never placed that. I never thought that was possible, and I ended up finishing right behind another runner who I've known for a few years. So that like kind of emotion of finishing with somebody that you know and mm -hmm. something that I never thought was possible. So those were definitely my top two. Oh, that that's great. And the fact is you have two distances there and this is kind of touched upon. This is finding the right distance for you. So you have marathon distance and you have 5k distance. So let's talk about how do you train in this aspect for distance and speed? Because many times if you, people are training for distance, it's harder to train for speed for those shorter distance. Granted, if you do enough distance, you're going to naturally get faster, but it's a different mindset. So how do you look at like approaching training when you have the shorter races and the marathons within a few months? Um, luckily, my coach and I always try and build in at least one speed workout during the week. Um, and if I know that I have a race coming up, like there's a certain set workout that I usually go to, but I at least always try and go and do at least one or two speed workouts during the week so that I'm keeping my legs fresh. Mm -hmm. And especially... Now that we're kind of in those wintry months, I try and keep myself signing up for a little bit of shorter races as well to keep that speed. Because I know I have the endurance, but sometimes mm -hmm. that speed can fall on the wayside. So I always try and make sure I do at least one tempo workout during the week and at least a track workout. And then when I'm doing long runs, I try to attach myself to someone who's a little quicker than me to keep up also like a good tempo pace. That's a great inspiration and motivation is to find somebody that's just a little bit faster than you and then try to keep up with them. And eventually then you overtake them and then you put the next person on your takedown list <laughs> and then you build up from there. So do you even have an off season? Um, this year, no, <laughs> I usually, yeah, usually, um, once we head into the winter months, I do a lot of half marathon until I kick up training again in the summer for the marathon mm -hmm. but now that i have boston my training my off season i guess was from the end of when i crossed that finish line until new york until now so i had a few weeks off and then once boston is done i know i'm gonna run brooklyn half and then i'll have another little bit of a few weeks break before mm -hmm. i pick up again for the new york marathon training cycle so not really, but I have a few weeks here and there. Mm -hmm. So there's really no off switch. It's kind of like just a dimmer a little bit. You just turn it down yeah. a little bit and then turn it back up. One of the things that you, when you met, you mentioned your story and, and how this all came to you. And one of the areas is we talk about self-confidence and how you built your confidence to get you to that point. So what were your most proud achievements? Um, I had a few. So definitely finishing third this past weekend was a huge confidence. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to be selected to be considered sub-elite at this past New York City Marathon. So that was a huge mm -hmm. confidence booster. When I was in high school, um, I had actually won the New York Roadrunners Athlete of the Year for my age group. So I've had kind of three big ones from Roadrunners that have kept me building that confidence up. <laughs> 
Mm -hmm. So you mentioned when we talked a little bit beforehand, you know, the feeling that you had to prove something to people mm -hmm. and or you had to overcome your own demons and self-doubts. So, I mean, we're going back years and, and you're accomplishing all these great wins and achievements, but you're still doubting yourself. Why do you feel that way? Then what was it that kind of gave you that extra confidence and that motivation? Yeah, I think one thing that always was an high school and in college, I was always one of our top girls. So I always felt like I had to push myself. I had to always bring my game and be the best. So I wouldn't let the team down. And then when I graduated, I slowly started to realize that I didn't have to do that anymore. And while I'm lucky enough to be on an incredible team and contribute so much to the scoring of the points for North Brooklyn, I found in a sense that I was more focusing now on doing it for me. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have pressure of somebody telling me every single race, you need to score this many points. You need to be here. You need to be this person. And now for myself, it's become, okay, I want to be this time or I want to be this place higher and really kind of got away from putting so much pressure on myself and feeling like I had to carry almost the weight of the world. And realizing that if I had a great day, it was all on me. And if I had a bad day, it's okay. You pick yourself up, you could dust yourself off, you could do it again. And there are still those moments of doubt that I have to get rid of. Like, for example, this past New York, I did not have the race that I had trained for or the race I had set out for and let myself wallow in self-pity for a few days. Mm -hmm. And then I picked it up, pulled out a good book, pulled on some good music and realized that it's not the end of the world and got back at it again. You made a really uh, wonderful statement. It's like, it's on you. And with running yeah. in general, being more of an individual sport. So yeah, team and you're carrying a team, but for most runners out there, this is an individual sport. It's if you did good, it's on you. If you did poorly, it's <laughs> still on you. Doing well could be with your club and if, or if you're a local competitive for your club, or if you're just running and you're supporting some fellow teammates to get across the line faster or in training. But overall, this is one of those sports that it really just comes down to you. And so many people that, that I know that have been in a similar situation as yours that were on the track team and the coach saying, you have to carry this. You are the one. It's like all this pressure. And then they're also turning around saying, you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. How does that affect your mindset? If you look back and you wanted to tell 16 year old Caitlin, what would you tell her? I would tell her that it's going to be okay. I would tell her that any goal that she had set, eventually she's going to accomplish and that if you don't perform the way that you are expecting yourself to perform, you learn something new. Um, I think that it really is kind of looking back. If I could go back and tell myself, I would tell myself that it is an individual sport and it comes down to how you perform. And in a sense, it's really the training pays off and those goals that you set, they're going to happen. It may not happen right away, but it may take several years, but they're going to happen as long as you keep at it. That is fantastic advice for 16-year-old Caitlin. And 
a fantastic advice for anybody that's listening to this right now, because it is something about setting goals and you can read so many inspirational stories, but to hear it from somebody like yourself here is just saying, you know, I was doing this and I've wanted to get better. And I realized that it's about me. And then when you find yourself in running, did that help you to like love running more and like how to incorporate into your lifestyle? Absolutely. I've always loved running. Um, since I, started like I ran my first race when I was 10 years old we had a fifth grade cross-country and track meet and I hated it and then I found myself when we did our track meet falling in love and any time that I find myself doubting it I remind myself why I love it like I can never picture myself walking away from running for some reason it's become that part of me and I know I could have the worst day in the world at work when I get home I'm gonna lace up and go out for even a half hour just to be stressed. And once I let that pressure off of myself of feeling like I had to prove something to everybody, I got better. I got faster. I got fitter. I got healthier. And now I'm at that point where I never even imagined I would be. So it definitely kind of started turning itself around. It's like finding yourself in running, finding running yeah. in yourself. It makes your life kind of complete in that sense where showing that people can achieve whatever they put their mind to and positive effect has on their life. And it takes some time. Yes. But those challenges are those growing opportunities. So one of the big questions that I got to ask is what's next? What's your next goal? Um, so I have a few. My next goal is definitely to break the three-hour mark in the marathon. Um, but really my next big one is I would love to work towards trying to hit the um, Olympic trials time for 2024 in the marathon. That's the next that's the next reachable, hopefully reachable Go for goal, it. Go for I, it. <laughs> I'm hoping so. The, the next one is break that three-hour mark. But once I break that three-hour mark, the big dream, the one I've had since I even started running is to hit that trial time. What What is trial time? Right now, it's a 2.45. You got so it. My best is a, you got it. You got this. <laughs> my best is a 3.06 right now. So we're working towards it. You said your your best one's like New York and you be you be cued in New York and New York is a tough marathon. It's not definitely certainly not the fastest marathon to go for for the time trials, but are you looking to do outside of New York or any other marathons? Absolutely. Like I said, I have Boston um in April, which will be great. That'll be my first non New York one. I'm doing New York again in the fall, but I would eventually like to do Chicago. I would like to eventually try and hit all the majors. Um, and one that I've always wanted to do is run Dublin. So definitely have others in mind to go to. What, why Dublin in particular? Um, my family's Irish. And we're part Irish and I have um, some family still over in Ireland. And I've always wanted to go to the country. And Dublin Marathon kind of falls within a week or two of New York. So I'd be on the same training cycle and everything. That would be perfect. I would love to do Dublin. I've read that it's a great race, actually. It's well done. Yeah. Yeah. So this is great. I, I love your spirit. I love how humble you are about your accomplishments. I mean, you're, you're excited, but it all is just kind of a part of yourself. And it's like, this is the Caitlin vibe. I'm here and I'm going to make things happen for myself. And that's what people can look to is saying, remember, this is you. 
it's okay to look out for yourself and to be, Mm -hmm. to be better because it's not necessarily about competing against people. It's about competing against yourself. And therefore Mm -hmm. that helps you become better. And then if you go into a competition, if you're racing one-on-one, then you can go beat that person. But it's more important that you focus on yourself. Exactly. So Caitlin, then what would you have as any parting words uh, to people that are listening to this? Um, I would always say if you have a goal, go for it. Like I always con- I always have a list of certain goals I want to hit and go for it. Make sure you're continuing to set goals for yourself. Get a mantra if it helps. My mantra is run smart and kind of keeping that going. And if you feel down about it or that you're not having a good day, it's okay to take a day off and take a rest day and take a step back or find a friend or a team to pull you out of that slump. But if you have something in your mind, you're more than capable of getting there. It may not be overnight. It may take a few months, a few years, but it's definitely going to happen as long as you put in the work. I think that sums it up perfectly. Thank you so much, Caitlin. This has been fantastic, uh, inspiring, and makes me want to go out and just go run like right now. I know. I would love to run right now if the weather wasn't snowy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, hopefully we'll see you out there on the track or on the course and you know, have a wonderful, I would say end of season, some off time, but that's really not going to happen. So have a wonderful on training session and on training season and best of luck in Boston and, you know, continued success for you. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and feel free to share with your fellow runners. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, you can apply on our website, storiesfromtherun.com because every runner has a story we'd like to hear yours. Until next time, may the rain stay in Spain and the wind be at your backs. Peace.